Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is July 24th, 2014, and it's a Thursday, and we're on the new schedule now where I do one interview a week. We had a great one yesterday, but that means that today, of course, we uh, have just Jack and... Uh, I am about to depart from the theme that we've been on for a few episodes with a feedback show and a standalone show and one answer to a call-in show. But we've been on a theme of personal liberty lately. And uh, I've discovered a lot that I already knew but maybe didn't remember I knew during that period of time and how much of what people do in society is based on the fact that they believe lies to be the truth. So as I wrap up this series, so to speak, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a show today for you called The Greatest Lies Ever Sold. And I, I don't know that that's really accurate. There's, uh, there's some bigger lies that have been sold to society than some of the things that I'm going to tell you about today. There's been lies about you know reasons for entering war that are pretty dadgone big. There's been lies about history that are pretty dadgone big. Um, I feel there's some lies being told on a daily basis about the ways that people are controlled that are maybe bigger than this, but they get into philosophical and religious worlds that I don't get into because I don't really want to offend anybody's belief in anything. You're free to believe whatever you want. Uh, the reason I, I picked the lies I did for you today, though, is I think they're the ones that have the greatest daily effect on individuals. Um, a, the, a lot of these are lies that get very, very ingrained into the lives, the mind, and the happiness or lack thereof of the individual uh, versus a, 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 you know, a, a macro global lie that is used to sell you on one single event. Those big lies are often used to reinforce these lies. I'll get to them in a bit. Before I do, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, Sawtooth Tactical. Sawtooth Tactical has all the tactical stuff you need to live that tactical lifestyle. Check them out today. They're veteran-owned, veteran-operated, and nestled in the wilderness of the Sawtooth Range of Idaho. That's why they're called Sawtooth Tactical. Uh, you know you're going to get great service. You know you're going to get great product. You know you're going to get great pricing. They've been with us a very long time as sponsors, uh, probably over five years, uh, certainly over four years. It's a pretty long time to sponsor a podcast. I don't think most podcasts last four or five years, let alone sponsorships of them. Check them out today, Sawtooth Tactical. Next up today, Backwoods Home Magazine. They're easy for me to endorse because I've been a reader since 1993, and I've been a subscriber since 1994. That's 20 years. 20 years I've been a reader and subscriber to Black Backwoods Home Magazine. I don't know that I need to say more uh, than that to give you my personal endorsement. I can tell you that I am very honored that today I get to work with people like Jackie Clay, Dave Duffy, Masada Yub, etc., these people that I spent years and years reading Backwoods Home was my connection back to the country when I still lived the, uh, well, a lot of the things in life that we're going to talk about today, when I was still wrapped up in the corporate lifestyle and uh, still believed a lot of these lies myself. The One of the things that kept me anchored to reality was Backwoods Home Magazine. If you want the, the best publication I know to help you live 
that sustainable lifestyle, that preparedness-minded lifestyle, that country-style lifestyle, Backwoods Home Magazine is the best thing that I can recommend for you. Please remember Backwoods Home and Sawtooth Tactical, many of our other sponsors, and quite a few additional vendors offer discounts to you. If you are a member of my Member Support Brigade, you can just click on Members, and if you do that, uh, you'll find a discount uh, section in, or you'll, you'll find a way to sign up and join after you do. The Benefits section, the MSB, will give you all the discounts. A lot of other great stuff in the MSB. Videos you can't get anywhere else. Content you can't get available anywhere else. Uh, ebooks uh, that total over $150 worth of value the day you sign up. You get all of those. It really is a great deal, and I work hard to improve it every day. And just yesterday, I added for you uh, tacticalwoodgas.com as a vendor. He was on for an interview, and I was able to get him set up, and I have a 10% discount on his generators for you. That saves you... Depending on the generator you're buying, either $54 or $79. Um, both of those discounts pay for the entire membership, and that's just one benefit of the MSB. And if you're military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, or prior service, or a first responder like an EMT, paramedic, or firefighter, you do qualify for a discount. If you email me first, before you join, jack at the survivalpodcast.com is my email address. Service discount in the subject line, one or two sentences about your service. Quick public service announcement about Jack's email. For some reason, some ISPs are wholesale blocking everything that I send, and people that are out there that I've contacted directly and said, hey, I'm getting bounces from your email. I've contacted their ISPs and said, you're blocking this guy's email. Stop doing it. And they said, no, we're not. They're lying bastards. If you have sent me email that you would have expected a response to and you didn't get it, it might be because I got a bounce from you. If you're on Comcast, I can almost guarantee you, if you're using Comcast email, Your, your, your emails from me are getting blocked. If you are getting your emails from me blocked, contact your ISP and, and tell them they're lying bastards. No, just seriously. Um, if you send me an email and you would expect a response and you don't get one, it's a good chance that's the problem. Uh, I'm setting up an additional server right now for some other things. I'll probably get an email uh, address that I'll set up with one of my other domains that I own that I'll start using as my primary send from and receive to email and just forward all my other addresses there. Uh, it's the only way I know around this. But seriously, guys, uh, whitelist me. That may help. Anyway, uh, if you think you've been ignored, it's probably because when I get a bounce, I just can't try to freaking track everybody down that I get a bounce from. All right. Uh, with that, let's talk about the year that was the episode. It is 1393. I've got three awesome ones today for you. Um, knights lose their titles in dexterity. The numbers are in, the people are gone, and no more backsliding allowed. I'm going to read the numbers are in, the people are gone. You may want to check the other ones out at tspwiki.com, history segment 1393. The numbers are in, the people are gone. The census this year estimates the population of China to be 65 million. Think about the fact that the modern population of China is like 1.7 billion. Just think about that in the totality of everything you're about to hear. The population of China is at $65 million. That is half of what it was in 1200. means the population declined by $65 million from 1200 to 1393. The Black Death has taken its toll along with the rebellion that overthrew the Mongols. The Ming Dynasty is off to a good start, but it will be many years before they will get those numbers back. Given their limited resources right now, they can take their time. They need to feed the people that they have first. My take by Alex Shrug, there's not much to say about the Chinese right now. They are in rebuild mode. The Koreans have a new ruler. His dynasty will last a long time. Tamerlane could be a threat, but he's spending most of his time right now in the Ukraine, Russia, and Persia, 
racking up the skulls and threatening China's main enemies, the remaining Mongols. Um, there is a culture of death at this time, and a culture of death that will last for hundreds of years, an acceptance of death that's, that's hard for people to understand. Very hard for people to understand in, in modern times. This is also the, the latest wave of the Black Death will be we, not the last you hear of it. The, the Black Death will come back. The plague will come back multiple times after here. But the huge death toll of the Black Plague has has had its 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 its, its uh, main occurrences, its main waves by now. And you probably won't hear a ton about it, other than it, the, the ongoing aftermath from it for quite a while now in the history segment. So I thought it would be interesting today to get a better understanding of what this Black Death we've talked about so much was really like. So I went on History Channel and found a little snippet, about a two and a half minute video I'm going to play for you now, to put this all into context for you of what the Black Death was like. Then I'll come back and we'll, I'll do a little bit more thought on this history segment and we'll get into the main topic of today's show. Rats, fleas, and humans. 14th century Europe, a bloody and deadly combination. The grim reality of having the plague in the 14th century was if you sneezed on your daughter, you just killed her. The bacteria that causes plague, Yersinia pestis, lives in rats. Certain rats have developed an immunity to Yersinia pestis but not fleas that feed on their blood. A toxin produced by Yersinia pestis blocks the abdomen of the flea so that it can't actually swallow the blood that it sucks out of the rat. So it leaps from a rat, lands on a human being, it bites the human, and vomits some of the rat's blood infected with Yersinia pestis back into the human victim. And the first victim of the plague is now walking around 14th century Europe. If you were unlucky enough to get the plague, you would either get the pneumonic version or the septicemic version. In the pneumonic version, the organism settles in your lungs. And over a four, five, perhaps seven-day period, your lungs essentially just liquefy and you'll cough them up and die. In the septicemic version of plague, the bacteria inhibit your body's ability to clot. Essentially, you were bleeding to death from everywhere at the same time. So if you were caring for a loved one in your home who had the plague, who was coughing all over you, the grim reality of it was that you knew that by the end of the week, everybody else in the house would either be dead or dying. No one has to die of the plague today. The organism that causes plague is actually easily treatable with very common and very inexpensive antibiotics. So, if you're dying of the plague today, you are really unlucky. But if you're dying of the plague in 1349, you're just doing what all your neighbors are doing. Okay, so the randomness of chance would give you two ways to die from the plague at the time. And 
almost no one survived. There were some survivors, but it was a very low number of people that got this disease that didn't die. If you got it, you were almost certainly dead. And if you got it and you were a peasant, you were really almost certainly dead. Because no one would have you. No one would help you. People would run away from you. Doctors wouldn't treat you. Right? I mean, you, you would if you, if you were going to halfway survive, you'd probably starve and then die anyway from the weakened state. But your, your two main ways to die were either your lungs turned to jelly and you coughed up your own lungs and bled to death through your lungs and into your, your throat. Or if that didn't happen, all the blood vessels in your body began to hemorrhage and you bled to death throughout your entire body and out of your body. It wasn't just that you died, it was the way that you died. And put yourself in the mind of these people of the time. No real understanding of what's going on. Pretty much most of them convinced that it was God or the judgment of the gods, depending on which faith these people followed and where they were at in the world. China had a very different religious outlook at this time than Europe, obviously. But most of the people just accepted this was God's will of some sort. A punishment of mankind. And don't think that government didn't capitalize on that. Don't think the church didn't capitalize on that. As always, government and religion capitalize on whatever they can capitalize on. And misery is something that's pretty easy to capitalize on. Think about as we that we go through today's show. But I want you to think about looking at your child cough his lungs up or bleed out every part of his body and know not only there's nothing you can do for them, but that's probably you in a few days. And then the people that actually made it through, that watched so many people around them die, what they were left with, what kind of bedtime stories you tell after that when you get to the next generation. Anyway, with that sobriety, uh, let's uh, let's get into today's show. I'd like to say happier topics, but it's really not. It can be. Um, it, it it should be. It really should be a better topic um, if you if you take it the right way. If you take this as a topic of liberation, because once you understand these things. You can have more personal freedom, more individual liberty in your life. In fact, it's necessary to accept most of these things to do so. And again, this is in in the vein of what we've been talking about, personal liberty, uh, thinking for yourself, critical thinking and analysis. But I, what I want you to realize is that most people are living their modern lives based on a series of well-sold well lies. They, that most of the people around you, good or bad or indifferent, in your opinion, are actually making most of their choices, most of their decisions, and think the way they do mostly due to the fact that they believe a lie to be the truth. In fact, believe many lies to be the truth. In fact, everything you hear is largely a lie today. The TV lies to you constantly. It lies to you with news. It lies to you with entertainment. It damn sure lies to you with marketing and advertising. Constantly. Your parents are probably well-meaning people, but they likely repeated those lies largely because they believe them, not out of malice, but if you believe something, you teach it to others as the truth. It's the most insidious thing about institutionalized lying. Institutionalized lying uh, propagates itself and becomes accepted fact over time. That's what most of these lies are. The radio lies to you while you drive to work unless you listen to TSP or something similar. 
Most companies lie very professionally and well thought out to their employees. The school system is built almost entirely on lies. The, the entire education system today is built because of lies and with lies and held together with lies. That's the truth whether we want to accept it or not. The truth is actually far more difficult for most people to accept than the lie. Because the lie generally gives you an excuse. The lie generally gives you an out. And the lie almost always is sold to you by handing you someone else to blame for your problems. We can hand you the Democrats, the poor people, the rich people, the immigrant people, the people over there, what have you. Doesn't matter. As long as you're giving someone else to blame for your misery, in general, it's easier for you to believe a lie. But there's a worse thing about these lies. Most of these lies have bits of truth in them. In fact, most, most, the most deceptive lies are 90% or more true. Or they're true in context, but they're not, they're not being used in context. The best way to sell lies is by using the truth. This is why you're going to likely have a hard time when you hear some of the lies I'll give you today. When you first hear me, you're going to say, well, that's true. And either it isn't, or it is, but it isn't in the way that it's used in modern society. It's, it's the old you know, lesson that's taught, for, and everything from motivational speaking to something that pastors use in churches. The clock that's wrong by ten minutes is dangerous, and the clock that's wrong by two hours usually is not. If your clock or your watch or your timepiece is off by a couple hours, when you look at it, you know something's not right. Your circadian rhythm itself, you just know it can't be 9 a.m. That can't be right. And either you overslept, underslept, or something like that, and you're out of whack, and you have to go verify it somewhere else to see, man, I'm out of whack. Or you know that the, the, the time is out of whack, and you go find it. But it's, it's, it's the watch that's off by 10 or 15 minutes that'll make you miss your train, your plane, or your automobile. And that's why most of these lies that I'm going to talk about to you today, you're going to hear truth in them. There is truth in them. Let me start out with the first one. Responsible adults get good jobs and work hard at them. That's a responsible thing to do. For some people... Getting a good job, working hard at it, staying there to you're 65, paying your taxes. I guess. Somebody's got to do it. I want to tell you what brought this one up and, and brought this show up, though. I did a piece a few days ago about the difference between men and women. And I said there's that a great lie has been sold to the American woman and the modern woman in many countries, and that is you, you want a career. You want to go out in the workplace. You want everything that a man has. And you can do everything that a man does just as good as what a man does. That's all lies. First of all, most people don't want to go out and get a career. They do it because they need to pay bills. Most people are not fulfilled in their work or their jobs much at all. But I'm going to stick to women just for a minute here. I said that women are more nurturing of children than men in many ways because the emotionally led philosophy of a woman that is different, not better or worse, than the logical led philosophy of most males is perfect, especially for catering to children at the stage of a child's development where logic doesn't work. You can't reason with a two-year-old. 
You have to understand their, their pain and their pleasure and their happiness and their sadness and what they want and how they're going to want what they want no matter what and that they're going to be selfish because they don't know any better. You have to deal with that. And the emotional mind and nurturing of a woman works better for that than a man does. And that's why men seem to really find their groove as fathers when kids get to a point where they have a vocabulary of a couple thousand words or more and they can have a discussion with them. Not that men can't change diapers or shouldn't change diapers, just there's an inherent time when a woman is a better parent than a man. And there's a time when the man comes into his own and has a real role in society, a, a, a real role in, 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 in the parenting that's, that's much higher than just seeing to needs. And most men are not going to be good or as good as most women at dealing with a child in that very early state. And I said that women have the ability to feed a child from their chest. And some people said that was chauvinistic. It's, it's, it's not chauvinistic. It's the truth. I mentioned ovulation, and I got accused of saying women were irrational due to menstruation, which I never even mentioned. Why? Because you're pre-programmed to believe if a male says anything about the differences between men and women that he's being a chauvinist pig. And he's saying women are inferior. Even though I said nothing to indicate that, I still haven't today. And some of you are already ready to tell me that I have. I've just pointed to the difference. But in this I said that many women would be far more happy staying at home, raising children, and, and running their homes. And seeing to those things. Not that they should. Not that we should expect that they would. Just that they, 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 they are, in general really happy about doing that, a very large majority of them, in fact, I would say more women than men would say, that is my ideal, that is what I want to do. There are men that would say that's their ideal, and there are women that say, I want nothing to do with that. And some of the women that say that are completely well-informed and understand what's going on, and many of the other women have been sold a lie, and they don't really mean it. New Mike on the blog said that he took a gender studies course in college. There was only about 10% males in it, there was about 90% females. They had a journal every day. And that so many of the women in their journaling, as it was shared with the class, were stating, I really want to just be a stay-at-home mom. And they had shame for it. They felt bad about themselves for it. And I'd like to thank Mike for pointing that out to me. I didn't, I, I wouldn't have had that as a reference point. I knew that was a problem, but see, now I have a concrete proof point. Here's where it was expressed. And, and when he said that in the blog comment, I started thinking about that and said, well, that's because they've been sold the same lie that the male has. That you are not worth shit unless you have a career and a job. That your work, your job title, how much income you earn, and what you do for others in, in the capacity of them owning your ass as an employee is what gives your life meaning and value. And if someone says you don't have to do that, they're holding you back. Not that you shouldn't do it, just that you don't have to. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. Oh, they're just holding you back. Well, if you were going to jump into flames, I think you'd want me to hold you back. So is, is, is a woman going out and building a high-level career jumping into flames? Some of you say yes, some of you say no. Both of you are wrong if you say it that way, unless you're talking just for yourself. The answer is, like most things that are complex, it depends. If what that woman really wants is a home life, 
and that's what she really wants, it is jumping into flames. If well thought out, planned, reason, logic, research, and desire makes that woman actually want to be in business, then it's not. Though a lot of times people are misled by this. Both sexes, I'm just sticking for women right now because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come around the other side of this real quick here and, and show you that it's the same lie to both sexes. It's a timing issue. It'll make sense in a second. And let me tell you, there are women that are really good in corporate America. Exceptional. I worked for one. Her name was Sherry. I worked for her when I went to work for Microtest, and we were shortly thereafter bought out by Fluke. I stayed on, and she was let go. She was part of the old guard. I only worked for her for about six months. She was probably the best boss I ever had in my life. She was tough, but she was fair. She was very, very good at her job. She was very good at holding us as regional managers accountable. She was very good at networking at the top corporate level and opening doors for us and our sales forces. She was cutthroat when she needed to be. She was an amazing, amazing businesswoman. She started in the company as a receptionist the first year the company existed. And by the time the company was bought out, she was the national sales manager for the company. Outstanding business person. And when you say a woman doesn't have to do that, they're saying, well, that's the type of woman you're trying to hold back. Well, I'm not trying to hold anybody back. I'm just pointing out you don't have to. There's nothing wrong with choosing not to. Let me tell you what happened with Sherry, though. Sherry had been with the company so long that when they went public, she got a bunch of stock options. Plus, the company had a really good stock purchase option, and as she got into different positions in the company and moved up, she ended up being able to acquire a whole lot of company stock at a very low price. In fact, the company stock traded at about $3.15 a share, and Fluke bought the company out for about $8.75 a share. Um, during this period of time, there was a gentleman named Rob who worked for the company. He wasn't there when I went there. He had left by this point, but he also worked there for a very long time. They met and fell in love and got married, and he also had partaken of a lot of the stock option programs and stock purchase programs. When the company sold, Sherry was upset that she was let go because she said she loved her job and she wanted to stay. But she did okay financially. She decided to take a year off. They lived in Phoenix. She got a spa membership, started working out and going there and... Because they had both traveled a lot, they hadn't spent a lot of time together. So even though Rob was still tra traveling quite a bit, when, when Rob was home, she was there and they were together. One thing led to another, and of course, that often leads to a third member of a family. She had a baby. She's since had two more, and she's not gone back to work. I haven't talked to her in years, but the last time I talked to her, she said, I never want to do that again for the rest of my life. This is so much more rewarding than that. Does that mean that the entire career path that she took for those 13 years was a mistake? No. It may have been the main thing that empowered her to be able to live the way that she does today. But there's no question in that one person's mind anyway, which was the better path for them. And funny enough, she was one of these women that like looked down at other women a little bit that just wanted to be homemakers and thought, you know, why can't you be like me and come out here and do this stuff? And then she realized something. The other thing she told me the last time we talked is all of that business dealing 
All of that cutthroat stuff, all of those things you have to do, all the politics is 100% bullshit. It's bullshit. And I want nothing to do with it. Now here's the thing. By and large, men have been sold this same lie. If you don't get a good job and get good benefits and good pay and work for somebody and be reliable and dependable and show up on time all the time, you are not responsible. The only difference between men and women with this lie is that men were sold the lie a lot longer ago in time. And then women were sold the lie recently. Responsible adults get good jobs and work hard on them. At them. It's a lie. That is something some responsible adults do. But but that's not what makes them responsible. How about responsible adults live fulfilling lives and provide for the people that depend on them? Why does it have to be through a job? Why does it have to be through the definition that somebody else assigns as a good job? If a father provides for his family and they want for nothing... Now, maybe that doesn't mean they have Lamborghinis and the latest smartphone, but they want for nothing. They're well-fed. They're well-cared well for. They enjoy their life. They have the opportunity to learn things. They're not stressed. They're able to, to engage with other people and have meaningful lives. Does it matter how, as long as what he's doing is immoral? Is it responsible to be told by somebody else everything that you have to do for the majority of your adult life, to be told what time to show up, when you can take vacation, when you can when you can take a, a, a break, you know, when you have to work, when you don't have to work, punch the time clock, fill out a timesheet, fill out your billing. Is it responsible inherently to do those things, or is it basically an extension of school, which is for children? I don't think it's responsible just to hold a job. I think in many times it's the easy way out. I'm not saying everybody should quit their job by, by no means whatsoever. I am saying that many people that say it's responsible are basically saying, I'm responsible because I let somebody else make all the decisions for me in return for selling my time for money. And it doesn't mean you're not responsible. Maybe it's the best you can do right now. Maybe it's the best you can do at this point in your life. Maybe you actually do love your job and it's a great way for you to live. But the connotation that this is what responsible adults do insinuates that anybody that doesn't follow this is inherently therefore irresponsible. That this is the only way to be a responsible adult in modern society. It's bullshit. Let go of it. Because it will then open you to, well, what are my other options? And it's amazing what happens when the mind starts asking questions like that. You start getting answers. You start getting answers. And it's so important that we, we understand that and we start getting the answers. And you will never get the answers till you ask the question. And you will never ask the question until you give yourself permission to. And if you think, well, that's irresponsible, to ask, well, how could I live my life where I don't have a job? Right? And, and you know what the thing is? We think, well, if you, if you win the lottery, that's okay. Well, are you responsible because you won the lottery? And if you would quit your job if you won the lottery, then maybe you need a job. That means the only reason you have your job is because you need it. And again, I'm not telling you to quit your job. Please don't quit your job because of this stuff. But if you're miserable in your job, try to figure out another way to do things. And, and it's not always just a new job. 
It might be a business. It might be major lifestyle changes. You might find that if you didn't have such an outgoing, you wouldn't need as much incoming. That it's all about a balance of those two. You might find there's a better way to live. Here's the next one. An education is priceless. It's an insidious lie. Because an education can be priceless. An education can be priceless. But an education in of itself isn't priceless. I know a whole lot of people with bachelor's degrees and even quite a few people with master's degrees that I consider nothing but educated idiots. I wouldn't hire them to, to, to watch my dog, let alone run my company. They have an education. Their education isn't priceless. In fact, I could put it a very specific price on their education. It's the total cost of everything they spent to go to school, plus whatever you want to put on the value of their time spent there that could have been doing something else, times the interest rate of the loan that they're paying back and the total dollars that they'll eventually pay for that education. It's not priceless. We know exactly what the cost of that education is, and therefore we know that that's the price of it. It's not priceless. There's a big-ass red tag price right on it. We can even figure out the perceived value of the education. If the person actually does get a job related to their degree and a job they actually would not have been able to get without their degree, we can take the value of that job, multiply it by the number of years that they'll work, and subtract from it a job that they would have had without the degree and what the differential is, and that's the value of the degree. Well, Jack, no, there's, I mean, being able to think for yourself and all this, you know, the education is priceless because, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, well, no. Again, it's not that the statement is a lie, an inherent lie, it's the context of the lie, because what is the lie used to do? It is used to sell you on the lie that every child should go to college, which is a complete, complete lie. I should have put that on here today, but I'm not going to. We have, I've covered it enough. If you think every child should go to college, you are a freak... I'm catching myself here because Insidious pointed this out. I don't mean it when I say you are a moron. When I say like you're a moron if you think, basically what I'm saying is you're talking like a moron, you're having a moronic thought, you're behaving like a moron. These are all temporary conditions. Or you're behaving like an idiot. You're temporarily being an idiot. I don't actually waste my time talking to wholesale idiots. So if I say that and you're ever offended by it because you fit that for right now, I understand what I'm saying you're behaving that way. That's And it's my opinion. You don't have to agree. But if you think every child should go to college, it's a stupid thought. It's a dumb idea. Because I can show you people that do not belong in college for a variety of reasons. Some people are stupid. And a stupid person with a degree, a degree is still stupid. And you probably can find something they're not stupid at that they would be better at than getting a degree in bullshit studies. Okay? Some people are like me. We're aggressive entrepreneurial people and we can accomplish more in the four years while you're in college than you'll accomplish in the eight years after you get out, not to mention the four years you spent there. I had somebody ask me one time, this is when I was in my corporate world, have you ever thought about taking your life experience, getting credit for it, and then just completing what you need to get a college degree for? At the time, I was making a, a substantial six-figure income. I said, for what purpose? They said, career advancement. I said, really? Where would I advance to? What would I want that I don't already have that a degree would open the door to? 
well, maybe you'll need a job in the future that will require a degree. And my response was, this one did. And once you've, once you've demonstrated capability in a given area, no one really cares anymore. That re degree required thing is just a filter that you can bypass. They had no, no follow-up to that. Education is priceless, but it doesn't have to cost anything. This is why it's a lie. The, the, the education is priceless lie is used to, to trick the average person into indentured servitude for the majority of their life, for the best years of their life. Most people take 20 years to pay off a student loan. Most people don't get out of college until they're 25. That means they go from 25 to 45 carrying a huge debt. A huge debt. 25 to 45 is the optimum time in your life for achievement and building things so that by the time you're 50, you're not still killing yourself. And that lie is used to put a chain around your neck before you even get to that point. If you really want a college degree today, you're, you're kind of foolish if you don't find a good community college, get a part-time job, work your ass off, Knock out two years of your of your general studies there for a fraction of the cost and then transfer to a university for your last two. Because the degree is going to have the same name on it if you actually value the prestige of the university. And it's going to cost a fraction of what you're going to spend otherwise. Not to mention you'll have experience when you come out of school. Proof that you know how to work. And you'll have to talk to somebody like me that didn't quit corporate America that's going to give a shit about that, because I always did. I hired a lot of people in my life with and without degrees. I hired people that I'm like, well, you don't have a degree, do you? And they're like, yeah, it was on my resume when I applied for a job. You didn't know that? No. Well, why'd you hire me? Because you look like you knew what the hell you're doing. Didn't care if you had a degree or not. Didn't care, And I didn't care if you had the greatest degree in the world. If you sucked once I hired you, you're fired. I had a lot of salespeople that I had this conversation with. Since you're not selling here, you can go not sell somewhere else. And uh, people used to get really upset. I'm too mean. Yeah, you know, I never thought I was mean. I thought I was just being honest with people. And I still to this day think that's the case. I think that's a big problem we have today is people just don't say the truth anymore. They try to make everybody feel good about what's being said. When somebody's screwing up, they need to be told, you're screwing up. And the problem is that we have, we have equated screwing up with being worthless. So everybody must be doing a good job even though they're doing a terrible job. And mediocrity becomes normal. And mediocrity becomes celebrated. We actually say that a person's doing a great job when they're doing an adequate job today because there's so many people doing a piss-poor job. We need to leave that shit behind, but the, it starts out with the education issue. Change in education is priceless. To an education can be priceless. Because it all depends on what you do with it and what you learned and how valuable you can make that knowledge. And education is not priceless. Just by the very fact that you have an education. Because there's a lot of educated idiots and you might be joining them. The next one is, money can't buy happiness. Well, Jack, come on now, that's not a lie. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely a lie. Money can buy happiness. May not buy permanent happiness, but it damn sure can buy happiness. Um, I love certain TV shows 
They just get away from things, but they have certain truths in them. Um, I think it was on Big Bang Theory where Raj was talking about getting a jet ski, and somebody said something about money and happiness, and he said, don't tell me money can't buy happiness. Have you ever seen somebody on a jet ski without a smile on their face? Money can buy happiness. To say it can't is disingenuous. The same person that says that probably wouldn't send a check back if you sent them a check for a million dollars and it was valid and they could cash it and deposit it and keep the money. And it would probably make them pretty happy. The saying has truth in it. If you're a miserable son of a bitch and I give you a bunch of money, you're just going to be a miserable son of a bitch with a bunch of money. You might have some short-term happiness because of it, but in the end, you're going to be a miserable son of a bitch. But if you're a happy, well-balanced individual that's trying to figure out how to live the life that you want to live and you can increase the amount of money that you have in your life, you will increase your freedom to be what you want to be and you will be happier and money will buy your ass quite a bit of happiness. And then what the program drone said is, but those people are already happy. I didn't say they were miserable. I, I acknowledged that they were happy. I just said they'll get more. To say money can't buy happiness would be like saying, well, if you already have a house, money can't buy a house. Well, money can not only buy a house, it can buy a bigger house. It can buy a more appropriate home. It might actually come out of a house that you get rid of that you don't want and be used to buy a new home and then still have some left over. Just because you have happiness before you have money or while you have a little bit of money doesn't mean that your happiness quotient can't go up if you had more. You know why this is an insidious lie? It makes people comfortable with mediocrity. It makes the person that's just working for that company that doesn't give a shit about them, but they pay enough to make sure that that person can go fishing on Saturdays and spend time with their kids and, and, and get some kind of pathetic retirement and, uh, and basically still live a halfway decent life with some happiness in it. Say, well, then this is good enough because if I had more, I wouldn't be happier. That's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all of these it's the little nuances that, that make them lies. Just because one can be happy with money, and just because if one's a miserable bastard, money can't necessarily make them happy in the long run, doesn't mean that money can't buy happiness. I just want you to think about how many people you've ever seen with their head down and miserable and sad and crying and just wishing the world would roll over and end right after they found out they won the lottery or got a huge inheritance from somebody they didn't really know. Generally, those people are pretty happy. And again, it, it really sells people on the acceptance of mediocrity. It sells people on selling themselves short. I've talked to people with, you know, I'm going to be a teacher, and I'll never have any real money because teachers don't make any real money. Well, first of all, that's a lie. Teachers are actually pretty well paid. Not in every state, not in any every district, but in some places teachers are paid actually what I would consider obscene sums of money for what they do. In some, I would say they're paid probably about what they're worth, and I'd say in others they're paid less than they're really worth, uh, depending on how good they are at what they do anyway. I would say that the numbers I'm talking about, if you take it based on a teacher that's adequate at their job, that statement remains true, and if you take it on a teacher that's really good at their job, the statements that some places they're underpaid and some places they make up scenes about some money are mitigated a little bit. But there's places where teachers make eighty or ninety thousand dollars a year to teach the third grade. 
Teaching third graders is not a $90,000 a year job. It just isn't. It just isn't. But there are there is something to be said that especially in certain states, if you go to be a, a teacher, you're not going to make a lot of money. So when you talk to someone that says, well, I pretty much resigned myself. They say, no, money can't buy happiness. Well, that just shut the mind down. What you said is, I want to teach. There's no reason that that has to mean I don't want money in my life. There's a lot of ways to structure your life where a teacher's salary is damn good. And there's a lot of ways to teach other than in the standard public education system where there's a hell of a lot more money to be made. I consider what I do here on a daily basis mostly to be teaching. There are teachers who are extremely wealthy individuals who've earned every penny that they have, and they teach both in institutions and in some cases they work for themselves. So when you when you say something like money can't buy happiness, you shut down the mind's ability to figure out how to make what you love profitable. You exchange mediocrity for what you think you want to do. Because you believe that Either having, either making more money or having more money can impact your life in a positive way. And you can make the same amount of money but have a lot more of it. And it can buy some happiness. It's a lie. Next lie. This is, this goes part and parcel with the first one. Actually the first, all, all of them up till now. It's the extension of these, uh, these three into the fourth. It will all be worth it when you retire. You know, one day you'll retire. Now, the gold watch dream, we, we all know that's gone. But, you know, you've got your 401k and you got Social Security. And one day you'll be 65. And at that point you can stop working and it'll all be worth it. You'll have your golden years to live. Well, a lot of people are dead by 70. Hope you enjoyed those five years. A lot of people are infirm by 65. A lot of people have type 2 diabetes by 65 because of the way that we're living. They always show you the pictures on the TV, don't they, of the, the remarkably in good shape people with the silver hair. The guy that's still cut a little bit, he's got a little bit of arm going on, he's got some, some tone to his forearms, tall, good looking, got his pants rolled up a little bit so he can walk on the beach with his wife, she's there too, really, really pretty, really pretty for 68, 69, however older, creating the image to be, picture of health. Happy, their steps are light, they're in love just like they were when they were 20. And they walk down the beach and the Edwards Jones label or the Primerica label or the whatever label is shown at the bottom and T. Rowe Price or whatever, and we can help you get there. Well, the majority of people at that stage in their life are not that healthy, they're not that happy. They're not that still in love. And the money never ed ends up quite doing what they ever thought it would do. It will all be worth it when you retire as a way of saying, shut up, suck it up, and deal with what you have to deal with now. It, it, it'll be better in the future. Your Eeyore, the donkey, and your masters are sitting in the cart, dangling the carrot in front of you. But it's a lie. If you don't make these years worth living, those years probably won't be either. You won't know how to live by the time you're... If you live your entire life indoctrinated into this bullshit, 
when you stop working at 65 and your, your value has been tied your entire life to the concept that responsible adults get good jobs and work hard at them and you're not doing that anymore and all you've ever done has been wrapped up in your kids and the kids are now off doing their own thing and now you're retired, you're going to sit around like a lot of old folks do and either you're going to sit around, rot, and die or you're going to try to figure out what to do with yourself. You're probably not going to buy a Winnebago and tra travel the entire United States. Odds are one of you are going to get cancer. Live your life today. Plan for tomorrow, but live your life today. Live your life in joy and beauty and wonder and learning and passion right now. You can't put it off until later. Later may not come. It might. And retirement might be great for you. Don't bet on it. I mean, you're only betting with 40 years of your life. Is it that, is that that big a risk? Yeah, it is. When you say everything will be better then, you're taking 20 to 65. 20 to 65. 45 years of your life. Rolling the dice with it. You have to have passion, joy, and something meaningful in your life now. And that can't just be your partner. Because if it's just your partner, you go into codependency and you end up hating each other. It can't just be your kids because your job as a parent is to work yourself out of a job. Those two things can be wonderful parts of a joyous life. But you have to build your life for today, for now, with redundancies to protect what you have today when tomorrow comes. You don't live for tomorrow. You live for today and you plan for tomorrow. But our systems lied to you by telling you it'll all be worth it when you retire. You'll have Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, your 401k. Be able to travel around and see your grandkids, take lots of vacations, play lots of golf. Man, you won't want to start doing that shit right now. I'm just saying. Oh, how about this one? We'll go to a little bit different angle now for a bit. While, there, while our political system has problems, it's the best we can do, and it's the best one that's ever existed. I mean, we hear that all the time, you know. Well, it, you know, yeah, we have our problems here in America, but no one, no one's, no one's, you know, in, in a hurry to go anywhere else. Well, actually, there's there's hundreds of thousands of Americans who have left this country in recent times because they've gotten fed up with it. They've gotten fed up with having their wealth stolen. There's more Americans in the last 10 years who have, who have renounced their citizenship than any other time in history. And no, our political system isn't the best that we can do. Our political system in 1955, minus the racism, wasn't the best we can do. So it damn sure isn't today. Our political system in 1850, minus slavery and the racism and, and the in the abjuration of women to the sideline, wasn't the best we can do. And if you got rid of those things, it probably was better than we have today. So it's not the best that we can do. A system where we steal and rob from people is not the best that we can do. A system where our politicians are owned hook, line, and sinker by the corporations that put them in office is not the best we can do. Let me be blunt. Barack Obama and John McCain are not the best we can do. They're not the best we can do. 
Neither one deserves to be president of our country, and being a given a choice between them is like being given a choice between chicken manure and cow manure for what to eat. It's not that chicken manure and cow manure don't have value. It's just I don't want to eat them. It's not like Barack Obama and John McCain don't have value. I just don't want them running my freaking country. Because they're not running my country. The people that own their asses are running my country. A system where money gets things done and values are just pushed to the side until later is not the best we can do. A system where we steal the wealth of some to give it to others in, in exchange for not doing anything with their lives is not the best we can do. A system that is a government that grows larger every year and has almost since its inception is not the best we can do. A system where government becomes more and more involved in the lives of individuals on a daily basis is not the best we can do. A system that ignores its own constitutional limitations is not the best we can do. There is nothing about our political system right now that, 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 that lines up with the best we can do. It certainly doesn't even line up with the best that's available in, America, in the world today. There's actually quite a few other countries that I think have better governments than we do. I think the one big thing that's always lacking is freedom to own a gun. But in a lot of these nations, as you do research, you find out the gun control restrictions isn't quite what you're told it is by the MSN. It just isn't. But it's sure not what it is here in most places still. And that's only because of our Second Amendment to our Constitution. It's the one thing that's preserved the liberties that we're talking about here. It really is. But do you know in Russia, there's some hoops to jump through and crap, but you can own a gun in Russia. Do you know that? I think you can own ten. I think they have some kind of restriction like you have to have get you get you have to get a license to own a gun. Then you have to own a smoothbore gun for at least two years. Not do anything stupid with it, and then you can buy a rifle. I don't like that. I think it's bullshit. But if you can own a gun in Russia, think of how many other places you can probably own a gun in. And you have to look at what they're doing and go, they're not doing it great. But are they doing it better than us? And there's places that are doing it better than us. I dare say Costa Rica runs a better country than we do. Probably Panama does. Probably that Panama does too. It's amazing how these, these countries that I mentioned have their poor people in that country, but those poor people generally see to their own needs far better than they do here. And they're generally healthier and, by the way, happier than most of the people that live in the projects that are feeding themselves with fructose corn syrup on a daily basis using food stamps that are massively and morbidly obese and miserable. And anything they do try to do to get themselves out of where they're at results in them losing the free money that they're getting and therefore they're incentivized to do nothing. No, this is not the best that we can do. And it is not the best that there is. Our nation is not number one in shit anymore, except how many people we have in prisons and probably the obesity rate. We're number one 
we're number one. Break out the foam finger. Oh, yeah, we spend more money on the military than any other nation, and yes, we're probably number one in the ability to blow shit up. And another lie that's not on my list is might makes right. You know, they even say might doesn't make right, but they, they completely lead you based on that lie. I should add it to the list. We're right because we won. Or the victor writes the history book is another way to look at that. No, our political system is not the best we can do. It is not good enough. And right now, there's no changing it. So, your solution to that one is to, one, don't accept the lie, and two, don't participate in the lie. If we get this guy in, it'll be better than that guy. No, it won't. Quit misleading yourself. The next one is, it's okay for government to do something that would be a crime if you did it. Think about how many things the government does that if you did them, you would be sent to prison. The government kills people. The government, police officers in, in New York recently just killed a man. A man that stepped in, broke up a fight, cooperated with officers when they got there, but he was huge, so they were terrified of him. So they put him in a chokehold and he died. No one's going to go to prison for that. I bet you no one loses their job for that. If you did that, If you did that, you would go to prison at least for manslaughter. I didn't mean to kill him. I, would, I just thought he was a threat, so I was just holding him down, and, and then he died. Well, you had no right to do that, so. But it's okay the government did it. Government has the authority to pick people up and hold them against their will without charging them with a crime. Let's, let's let go of the fact that they can imprison people for things they call crimes. Let's just, just leave it to being constitutional. There's a limit to how long you can do that and all, but if I hold you for 12 hours at gunpoint in my house, it's called kidnapping and wrongful imprisonment. The government's allowed to do it. Our government has murdered American citizens under the auspice of the war on terror without indicting them or trying them. Not only have they done that, but the, the men that we're talking about Whether you think they're good guys or not doesn't really matter. The, the fact and the reality is they've killed an American citizen without trying them. And the charges they accused them of, if they were found guilty of, brought to justice for. The sentence of death would not even be on the table. Think about that. The next time right-wing radio tells you, well, they had to kill that guy. The same guy that tears Obama down, every other sentence defends that action by Obama. Think about that. Yeah. One of the biggest lies we've been told is it's okay when government does it. They don't say it directly that way, but they actually tell you that it's heroic that we've done these things, and necessary and important, and good, and it benefits you. Well, it benefits me to take somebody else's stuff, too. It's not okay. Which leads right into the next lie, which is expressed in, in war at all times. Those people over there are bad, so it's okay for us to kill them. Yeah, we killed some civilians, and they were really kind of innocent in the whole thing, but there's going to be collateral damage in warfare, and we tried to mitigate it, so that's good enough. I don't think you were mitigating it when you wanted to kill this guy, so you bombed a wedding. I really don't think you were. And the average American is not outraged by this at all. They're really not. They're like, oh, that's sad. No, it's it's an atrocity. It's a war crime. 
that your country committed. And I'll tell you how you know if something is a war crime. If another nation did it to you, would you consider it a war crime? And if the answer to that is, yeah, I would, then it's a crime when you do it. That's called equality. So I want you to think about this. Let's say, I know this is preposterous, but let's say we went to war with Mexico. A legitimate shooting war, and we're fighting a war with Mexico. And by some way, Mexico's holding its own. And we have a guy that they consider a legitimate combat target. And we don't want him dead, but we would say, yeah, he's a legitimate combat target. And he goes home on leave, and it's because his daughter's getting married. And Mexico uses some kind of smart weapons technology that they probably don't have, targets the wedding party, and kills him and his family. Would you say Mexico committed a war crime? Or would you say that was a legitimate combat initiative? Killed their children, their grandchildren, innocent women, non-combatives, But they knew he was there, and he really was there, and they really did blow him up. And we would have said, if this guy got killed in battle, then it was totally a legitimate thing. Even though we wanted him to survive, and we're fighting a war, but by the rules of warfare, yeah, okay, that, that, that was a, he's a legitimate combatant. What would you say about that? And what would your media say about that? Savages attacked these innocent people, blew up these... See, this is, this is the lie. The lie is it's okay when we do it because they're bad, but it's not okay when, when they do it. What's wrong is wrong, and what's evil is evil. Blowing up children is always wrong. Bombing a house is always wrong. I don't care if it's Israel doing it, and I don't care if somebody shot at them first. Bombing an apartment building that people live in who are non-combatants is wrong. And, it, and if you successfully kill people there who are non-combatants, it is murder by anybody's definition of the word, and your government is a murdering government who has murdered children and innocents in large numbers. And it's not okay because those people are over there or bad or different. And you would not be okay if it was your countrymen that it was happening to. And even if you hate Obama or you hate the other side and the next president that's here, if a foreign nation came in and killed him and took over and said, we're going to set things up for you now, you wouldn't be okay with it, would you? And some of you, that are the most ardent supporters of that action by our nation in other nations, would be the very first people, if it happened here, to take up arms and fight back and drive out the invaders. And you can't see the forest for the trees. You can't see that the person in that other country views our nation the way you would view an invading nation in this country. But we're number one. We're morally superior to everybody else. It's okay for us to do shit that's not okay for any other country to do. Unless you're our ally and then you can do it too because we've blessed you. Horseshit. Murder is murder. Call it what it is. See it for what it is. I say a lot of times you can't change things, but shining the light of truth on things is how you bring about change. It's not by voting. Not right now, anyway. It's not by lobbying. It's not by shining petitions. It's by revealing the truth. <sighs> the next one, going into a totally different realm, and probably the most insidious lie, 
And people say it's not true, and people say that not. People actually counter this argument all the time. But in the end, everybody seems to live their life according to this lie, and society constantly reinforces it. And that lie is your value is based on the opinion of others. You don't you don't think we're constantly not just you know falling for it ourselves, but reinforcing it with other people? Okay. Well, you go to school. You learn the things I tell you to learn, not the things you want to learn, and I judge you and give you a letter grade based on my opinion of what I think you learned. Your value is based on the opinions of others. Your kid wants to go out, and they want to wear clothing that's a little bit different than what everybody else wears, and you say you can't wear that, then you're saying your value is based on the opinion of others. Now, there might be times to do that for protection reasons, they're going to go play on a playground and they're going to dress in some way that's going to get them picked on, maybe they shouldn't do that. Or maybe you should let them dress that way and take them somewhere else that day. Because the problem is that since other people believe that lie, it will probably come to fruition there. Your value is based on the opinion of others. How many men have at least lied a little bit about what they do for a living or talk their job up a little bit when they're talking to a girl that they're attracted to? Why? Your value is based on the opinion of others. How many people work into a conversation with a new person that they meet, male, female, or otherwise, within the first five minutes, what they do for a living if they're proud of their job? Why? Because your value is based on the opinion of others. When you ask for a raise in a typical employment situation, your value is based on the opinion of others. Get it? The truth is your value is not based on the opinion of others. Your value is based on you, who you are and what you are. The most important person to evaluate you as far as your value is yourself. The next important people are the people that you love and care about. And you really shouldn't give a flying shit what anybody except the people you care about and love think about you. And even in that, you should only care so much. As long as you're doing the right things and taking care of them, if they think, well, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't wear short pants, I don't know, whatever. Well, you know, tough shit. Your value is not based on the opinion of others, unless you allow it to be so. Your value is based on what you contribute to this world and to this life and to the people you care about. That's what your value is. You have intrinsic worth just by the very nature that you're a human being that can think, act, and be, and do for yourself. And all the lies we're talking about today just remove that value. They extract that value and apply it somewhere else. That's what working for someone else really is. They get your value and you exchange it for money. And your value will always be based on the opinion that others have of you at work. And if you don't believe it, it's, it's, it's right there on that paycheck you get every week or every other week or once a month whenever you get paid. It's right there. That's, that's a statement of your value to that company. You don't think that it is? Then, then try this little experiment. Don't really do this. It'll probably not work out very well. Just go in there and say, you know what? If that number doesn't go up by 50%, I quit on Monday. Most of you will get your walking papers if you do that. Because most of the time... Even though, don't worry about the fact that they're going to think it's arrogant and boorish for you to do it that way. Most of the time, what they're actually saying is, no, you're not. You're not worth that much. I can replace you for less than that. You don't do enough work to be worth that much for me. 
Now, that doesn't mean the business is inherently wrong for that opinion. If I hire you to do a certain job, that job only does so much for me as a company owner, and if I don't have a surplus beyond that, you're not profitable as an employee, and I don't need you working for me. I'll either eliminate your position or find somebody else to do your job. But in that position, your value has been assigned to you by somebody else. And that's not the worst place for it. That's, that's, the, that's the breaks if you're going to have a job. But I'm talking about when people go out and somebody says, I can't believe you're wearing that hat while you're here. People are looking at you. Again, like I said earlier this week, I don't care. I don't know these people and I'll never see them again for the rest of my life. And they, they do not affect my life. And they certainly don't get to a sound of, a sign of value to who I am. You want to see this play out? Go to a nightclub and watch people look at each other. Watch people judge each other. And watch people posture and try to look like more than they are. Because they've been fed the belief that your value really comes from what that other person thinks of you. I'll tell you what, a person that doesn't have any authority over you or any ability to influence your life in any way, your value has absolutely nothing to do with their opinion of you. They don't even get to influence the value. Your boss gets some influence over it. There's certain things you have to do if you want a job and work. So you give that up a bit if you're going to have that kind of a normal job. That's fine. Or you try to find a company that says, hey, you can dress, be, act, whatever you are, the way you are, and doesn't try to make you a conformist, and it fits in that company. Or you, you conform. Or you do your own thing. That's not that insidious. What's insidious is worrying about what people think that have no control over your life. These people are looking. Why do you care? Because you've been programmed to care. And you know what it leads to? Buying shit you don't need. Buying overpriced crap you don't need to try to impress people that will never give a shit. Welcome to the modern world. The last lie... Government is necessary. We have to have government. Now, let's let's make this a little easier for people to take. Let's not make this final one a discussion on the merits of anarchy. In other words, no government. Let's just make it that the, the lie is that government is necessary as we have it today. Well, no, it's not. And that's the thing that I'm talking about, because this is what's sold to people. Well, the government's doing this, yeah, I know, it sucks, and they really should be, but you know, we got to have this, and we got to have that, and we, we need this, so it's, it just kind of comes with it. No, it doesn't. There could be no better example of unnecessary government than an HOA. Most people that enter into an HOA contract when they buy a home and agree to that bullshit don't understand that's what they're doing. They're saying, you know what? I am willing to allow another level or another layer of government into my life. Do you understand that? That's that's what you're doing. So it's it's not enough that the local government tells you about how you can build a house and what you can add to your house and what you can do to it and taxes you. It's not enough that the state government does it. It's not enough that the federal government has codes and enforcement and authority over how you live your life and, and your property and taxes you based on your station in life. It, it's not enough for you. So you need another entity that taxes you, HOA dues, are a tax. And another government with force, authority, and power over you. You crave government if you want an HOA. You absolutely crave government if you want an HOA. You're a sick-minded individual if you crave government that much. Because we have plenty of it now. 
But let's not just take it to like, well, we don't need government at all. It could all be anarchists and everything would be private. And what, Let's just say, let's just for the sake of this discussion, put anarchy on the shelf. Just put it over here. Okay, it's over here. It's a nice idea. Humanity's not ready for it yet. That'd be a great place to get to someday. Which, by the way, is how many anarchists actually feel. Like, we have to get people enlightened to the point where they can, you know, understand and respect their fellow individuals and be nonviolent before that can work. But that's, that's my ideal. That's where I want to go. But let's not even say it's our ideal. Let's just put it over there and say we'll, we'll get to that idea later. And let's just ask ourselves if all the government in our lives today is necessary. Or could we do, could we get by with less? Okay. Most of you are saying, well, we could definitely get by with it. If I, if I said to most people, name 20 things that you would eliminate from government's authority, they could make that list pretty quick. You know, and say, not try to find the best 20, just find 20 things that you can absolutely positively say, government does not need to be doing this. They could make that list really fast. And then they'll turn around and defend that, those very things on that list. Oh, oh, I vote Republican, therefore smaller government. Show me a Republican that's given a smaller government. One. Show me an administration or a Congress that's reduced government in the last 150 years. Show me one. Show me a, a government in the last 150 years in this country that has reduced the size of government, reduced the national debt, reduced the authority of government. Show me that. And you can't. And, and the, the true brainwashed, blind conservative will say, well, you know, they did do some deregulation in the Reagan era, in the Bush era. No, they did not. They freed corporate's interest to better parasitize you. And they, those, all those deregulations were a whole list of new regulations. If you want to do this, here's all the things you have to comply with in order to do those things. And then those things that you couldn't have done before, now you can do. Which basically said, if you have a shit ton of money, you're now free to do this shit, and everybody else is not free to compete with you. No. There is, there is no government in your adult life, no matter how old you are right now, that's actually reduced the size of government. There's no government that you can name in your adult life that has failed to increase the power and size of government. Not one. And if you're participating by supporting either side that's making government larger, you're buying into the lie that it's necessary, that we need it. I just want to propose a thought. Do you think in our modern society, well, we've gotten past a lot of the bullshit issues out there, the social issues. If we took every law that's been passed since 1900 and got rid of it, but we had all the laws we had up till 1900, and, and just to make sure that we don't do anything really stupid, if the law is a basic safety law that applies to something that didn't exist in 1900 or wasn't common in 1900, that law stays. But only the base laws, like speed limits, driver's licenses, and basic, basic building codes so that skyscrapers don't fall down and things like that. But if we, got, if we stripped 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of laws and hundreds of thousands of lines of code, and we just stripped it all out. And just said, government no longer has this authority. Do you think the world would plunge into chaos? It's not like it would be legal to murder people. We're not going back to the 1860s, so it wouldn't be legal for slavery. As far as the Civil Rights Act and stuff like that, dude, we're past that. We're past the need for that stuff. We really are. As a society, we have been smart enough to evolve past that. Are there racists? Yes, they'll always be. They're ignorant pricks, and they don't deserve your consideration or time. Well, what if they don't hire me, and I happen to be whatever they hate? You don't want to work for them anyway. Last thing you want to do is work for somebody that hates you. It's terrible. Don't worry about it. Go on and live your life. Don't you think we could do that? If you say that's too much, could we go back to 1980? Could we remove every government restriction that's occurred since 1980 and not have society fall apart in chaos? If you can't go back that far, how about 1990? Well, the EPA stopped. Well, most of the stuff the EPA stopped, if you remove the laws, it's not going to go back and get started again. We've gotten past that. If, if not 1980, could you go, back, could you go to 1990? Can you go to 2000? Can you see a world where we say, you know what, the government should be reduced at least to the power that it had in the year 2000 and should be restricted in spending to the money it spent in the year 2000, just 14 years ago. Do you think the world would fall apart in blind chaos? And most people that are reasonable would say, well, okay, geez, that's 14 years ago. I remember that. I, I think we would be okay if we repealed all laws that have been passed since the year 2000. Um, and, and people then would start going, man, it's probably not for me. You're probably right. We need to start hearing some of this other stuff. And I do think that the government could survive on the amount of money it was stealing from us in the year 2000. So yeah, that's reason. Then, then you are, if you do anything that perpetuates government going forward by participating in it and sanctioning it, you're saying that that 14 years of new power and new growth is necessary. Government is not necessary in its current form. Government has invaded your life on every level, and most of the way that they're invading your life, you're choosing to let it affect you. You're choosing to, based on where you live. There's so many things that apply to people that if they just moved a little bit over here or a little bit over there, would stop applying to them. They would no longer be affected by those things. That's why so many people have abdicated their citizenship and left America. Because they live freer lives As a citizen of Costa Rica, I'm serious. There was a, a tiny fraction of people that would even consider this 30 years ago. Today it's becoming an extremely popular movement. I'm not saying you should do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm just saying there's something to it when that many people that are... Citizens of the greatest country that has ever existed. God bless America. See the shining sea. Going, yeah, not really. I don't. I don't really, really care anymore. I just. I want to be left alone. I want to stop having my wealth stolen. I want to stop being restricted in where, you know what I can do and who I can do business with. I'm. I'm done. Goodbye. It's happening in record numbers because government's not necessary. Who would build the roads? Again, we're not in the anarchy here. We're, we're saying, okay, let's just assume there's certain things that it actually makes sense for government to do. Public roads are probably one of them. 
I don't know that every road that's out there needs to be a public road, but basic public road infrastructure system that gets people around the whole country and enables commerce, fine, let's let government do that. How many laws do we need for that to happen? How much government do we really need for that to happen? How much tax money do they really need for that to happen? And are they doing a good job with what they have? No, our infrastructure is crumbling. They're stealing an ungodly amount of money from the American people saying, you need us to fix the roads and build the roads, and they're not even doing that right. They're so busy worried about things like building giant data centers to spy on your grandmother. And yes, they are spying on your grandmother. I don't care that Sean Hannity said, well, they're not spying on your grandmother. Yes, they are. Oh, wait, that's right. Sean Hannity now says they're spying on your grandmother because his guy's not in power. Even though all the things that were done to make that possible were done by his guy, now that the new guy's using those tools, now it's wrong. You've been bamboozled. You've been tricked. You've been lied to. No, the government you have today is not the best we can do, and it's not necessary. No, it doesn't inherently make you responsible just because you have a job. And it's not the only way to be a responsible leader of your family. No, an education is not necessarily priceless, though it can be. No, it's not true when people say money can't buy happiness. Again, I invite you to show me an unhappy person calling ass on a jet ski. And maybe you don't want to go on a jet ski, I get that. But if people like a jet ski, and they get on a jet ski, they get a big grin. I don't even want to own a jet ski, but I like driving them. It's fun. It costs money to do it, and money buys me happiness for that period of time. No, it won't all be worth it when you retire if you don't live your life with passion right now. No, our political system is not the best we can do. No, it's not okay for your government to do something that would be a crime if you did it. No, it's not okay to kill those people over there just because somebody tells you they're bad. No, it's not okay to bomb a wedding just because a guy that you really thought needed to die happened to be there. No, that's not okay. Yes, that is murder. And no, your value is not based on the opinion of others. And if you want to know what to do about all of this, just accept that those are lies. Your life will change. The decisions you make in your life will change. You have to deprogram yourself from this. For many of you that are, are well on your way to being fully awake, that, that have, have moved out of zombie slumberdom, these are the last pieces holding you into the Matrix. You know in the movie The Matrix how the one guy wants to go back in and they tell him you can't go back in? These are the things that make you want to go back in. These are the things that make you think it is better in The Matrix. These are the lies that sell you on the validity of The Matrix. Don't think The Matrix was just a science fiction movie. It was. And God, the first one was better than all the rest of them, wasn't it? I mean, it just got preposterous by the end. Except the hopelessness of the final episode, and the final part of the final episode, where we've done this before and it all just starts over. It's a pretty good analogy to modern society. That's what that movie really was. It was an analogy to a modern society where people believe these lies. And there's probably a hundred more of them. There's probably a hundred more of them. There's, there's thousands of lies about what supposedly happened in history that didn't. I mean, here's one for you, just to, just to give you an inkling of how many things you've been lied to. Do you believe that Vincent Van Gogh cut off his ear, cut off his own ear? Do you believe that? Because he, he wanted to mail it to somebody as a gift to prove his love. You believe that? <clears throat> Wrong. Look it up. 
Vincent Van Gogh did not cut off his ear. He got a fight with a fellow artist who cut off his ear. Van Gogh was crazy, but he wasn't that crazy. But yet, people believe this. How about this one? Many of you learned this as being factual in school. You look at your arm, and you see your veins. And if your veins are high enough in your arm, or your, you know, maybe down at your, your, your uh, elbow, or in your legs, your veins look blue. And that's because the blood in your veins is blue because it's been deoxygenated and it's headed back to your heart. Right? That's the truth, right? Eh, wrong. Do you ever notice that when you go to the doctor and they put a tourniquet on you and they, they make that vein stand up and that lady puts that, that, that needle in there and puts it into the tube, it's all nice and red and gooey? That tube's a vacuum. There's no oxygen in there. Why did it turn red? It didn't turn red. It was red when it came out because it's red. Why does it look blue? The refraction of light through your skin. Your mind sees it blue. It was always red. Your veins do not have blue blood in them. You can't show a person blue human blood. It doesn't exist. It's a lie. Want another one? Want another one? I'll just hit you over the head with them here at the end just to, to start making you question everything that you've been told. How about this? There were 13 original colonies. There were 13 original colonies. It's a lie. There were not 13 original colonies. I mean, the American flag has 13 stripes representing the original 13 colonies, but there were really only 12. That's because Delaware was never a separate colony. After the British invaded the region and stole it from the Dutch in the 1660s, the Delaware Territory was juggled between Maryland and Pennsylvania. Eventually, it ended up owned by William Penn. That's the guy that owned Pennsylvania. That's why it was called Pennsylvania. Penn's Woods. It remained part of Pennsylvania until the Revolutionary War. It wasn't even called Delaware. It was the lower three county, uh, the lower three counties. I like that. Now I know a lot of you are having trouble with that one. You're going to look it up and say he's got to be wrong about this. I'm not. How about this? Abraham Lincoln was opposed to slavery. Well, Abraham Lincoln wanted to end slavery. Here's some of Lincoln's own words in a letter that he wrote. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would do that. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps save the Union. Oh, wow. So in other words, the most important thing to Abraham Lincoln was government and the state. How about diamonds are made from coal? Some of you are like, go, stop now, stop. You take coal, you compress it, you get a diamond. No. Diamonds are made from hot, compressed carbon. But no one's ever actually found coal and diamonds in the same place. They're formed by different processes. A diamond doesn't start out as coal. It starts out as carbon, but it doesn't come from coal. You, you, you can look that up, too. There's so many, so many of these. That it's it, it's actually starts to get kind of it, it kind of starts to shake you a little bit. It's almost like having somebody say, you know that color orange? Yeah, it's not orange. No, no, it's fatilla. What's fatilla? I just made that up. And, and you go, no, no, it's orange. And you go, no, everybody's been on this. It's been a like a reality TV gag. You've been lied to since you were born. And then finding out that it's true, that like you, every book you had had it altered or something, and somebody played a trick on you when you hear some of these things. How about this name from history? George 
Washington Carver. Not George Washington, the president. George Washington Carver. Right? Did all kinds of great things with the peanut. And he invented peanut butter. That's a lie. George Washington didn't invent peanut butter. I mean, he did a lot of new things, hundreds of uses for the peanut. Greatly aided the farming economy in the American South. But he didn't invent, invent peanut butter. Peanut butter's actually been around since about 950 B.C. Giving peanut butter is nothing but mashed peanuts. You'd think that somebody would have figured out how to do that before he did, and it's true. He did. How about this one? Benjamin Franklin proposed that the turkey should be our national bird. Many of you have been taught that in school. Well, the only recorded account of Franklin talking about turkeys and eagles is in a private letter to his daughter about a military group called the Society of the Cincinnati whose eagle seal he criticized for being inaccurate and looking more like a turkey. <laughs> It is true in this letter he also said that he wished the bald eagle wasn't the national seal, but his preference for the turkey was only because he thought the, uh, the, the seal looked more like the bird than it would eventually come to sim and it would simply come to simplify's Thanksgiving. So he never actually proposed it. He said, yeah, you might as well be. With the he basically didn't like it the way that it was. How about this? Often used by many of uh, my persuasion that, that thinks the school system sucks. And I do think the school system sucks. And I do think it's not right for everybody. But people say Einstein was a terrible student and he failed mathematics. The reality, Einstein crushed his report cards. His reputation for being a terrible student was from his habit of talking back from his teachers, not from his grades. Einstein once wrote in a letter to his grandmother, yesterday Albert received his grades. He was once again number one. His report card was brilliant. He definitely never failed mathematics. In his own words, he said, before I was 15, I had mastered differential and an integral calculus. Einstein didn't fail mathematics. It's a lie. How about Napoleon Bonaparte? He's a little short guy. He, he, he actually was uh, a little taller than the average Frenchman of the time. Remember, people were shorter at that time because they weren't as well fed. After his death in 19, or 1821, the French emperor's height was recorded at 5 feet 2 inches, but in French feet, which is 5 foot 7 inches in modern uh, measurements. And 5 seven was, not, you know, it's not tall today for a man, but it was, you know, it's not short. It's not how you picture Napoleon. And for, again, for the time, 1800s, man, 5 seven in Europe. He was also accompanied often by his imperial guard who were selected for the height. So he had big guys to be his imperial guard, which may have made him look shorter. You, you see a five foot ten inch guy surrounded by people that are six foot six. The five ten guy looks pretty short. How about this? Cinco de Mayo is Mexican Independence Day. Isn't this fun to find out how much that we believe to be true is bullshit? Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. It's a celebration of the Mexican Army's victory over the French at the Battle of Puebla in May 5, 1862. Mexican's Independence Day from Spain is celebrated on September 16th. They're equivalent to our 4th of July as September 16th. But Cinco de Mayo sounds a lot more like 4th of July than September 16th. <laughs> Or September 16, right? <laughs> How about another one you just know is true? Stockbrokers jumped out of windows when the market crashed in 1929. Um, there, there's this belief that that's what happened. The reality is um, there's, it just never happened. and It didn't happen to even one person. And no one did this. 
What happened was there was a, a popular comedian at the time. He made a quip about spec speculators needing to stand in line to get a window to jump out of, and a myth grew from there until the uh, suddenly bankrupt stockbrokers leaping from the window became a stereotype. I mean, but this just didn't happen. H how many of these things that I've told you did you believe happened in history? You were sure. You would have lost money on a bet about them. How about this? Um, you probably believe me when I told you Mexico's early Independence Day was in September, and you get that Cinco de Mayo is just the way to sell a bunch of shit to, to people in this country, like endless enchiladas or something like that. But uh, what if I told you Independence Day for the United States is not July 4th? That July 4th is not the United States' Independence Day. The, the, the myth is the 4th of July is when America first declared independence from British rule. The truth is it was actually done two days earlier on July 2nd. The Continental Congress voted for independence. Two days later, a revised version of the Declaration of Independence was adopted, and though the but the Declaration itself was dated the 4th. It wasn't signed by Cong congressional delegates until August. So if it's really about the Declaration of Independence, it would be in August. But if it's actually about the day that the Congress declared independence, it's the second. And you think, oh, well, you know, they just became that. when it No, no, it's, it didn't work that way. It happened later. The Founding Fathers would be like, what? You guys celebrate July 4th, you idiots? John Adams, the future second president of the United States, wrote the following. The 2nd of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epoch in the history of America. He also suggested that the 2nd of July should be celebrated with fireworks. Are, are you starting to feel like maybe the truth is out there, but it's not what you've been told? How about this? The, uh, the pilgrims came to America for religious freedom. Now, Jack, you're just being stupid. That Everybody knows that's true. The truth is that the, the pilgrims left England because they were frustrated with the Church of England. And they went, But they went to Amsterdam, not the United States. And they had all the religious freedom they wanted in Amsterdam. The Dutch didn't give a shit. They really didn't. The Dutch are one of the oldest republics still in existence. And they have always been very open to allow people to, to practice whatever faith they wanted. The reason that the pilgrims came to the New World is they were afraid their children were becoming too Dutch. You don't believe it? Look it up. It's true. It's absolutely true. All right, who? how about this? Who Who was the first pilot to fly across the Atlantic? Charles Lindbergh, right? No? Lindbergh won, won the uh, $25,000 prize for flying between New York and Paris in 1927, but it had already been accomplished eight years earlier by British pilots Alcock and Brown in 1919. But Lindbergh did it alone. He was the first person to solo it, and he was young and handsome and a great story. They made a big deal out of it, but it had already been done. Did you know that? Or would you have lost money on that? I mean, think about that. How, how, many, how many things are you sure of that aren't true? You know why I, I finish with kind of all these fun ones? So that maybe you'll go back and look at the ones that I, I talked to you about today that were a lot more serious and start questioning them. Because they're things that everybody knows are true. Well, how many things that everybody knows are true are actually a lie? A fiction. Something that's just made up. Sometimes just for the hell of it. George Washington chopped down the cherry tree. Do you know why that myth persists to this day where it came from? George Washington's biographer said he added it to the storyline for his own amusement. 
And then it became a popular myth. I cannot tell a lie. It was I who chopped down the terry tree. Never happened. Completely preposterous. How about this one? Um, during the space race, the Americans spent tons of money and research and time to develop a pen that would work in outer space. And the Russians used a pencil. It's not true. The Russians did use a pencil. NASA also used pencils. The first space pen was developed privately by the Fisher Pen Company. It was more of a marketing thing than anything else. It's it, it, it just goes on and on and on. All these things that we think are true are not true. And, and what's going to happen is you're going to be like, oh, he's wrong about this, and you're going to try to prove any of these wrong. And, and if you actually look deep enough, you're going you're gonna to figure out that I'm not wrong. You're going to find out that everything I've told you is true. It's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? So just maybe, so just maybe, it's the fact that money can buy happiness in some situations. It won't all be worth it when you retire if you don't live your life the way you should now. Maybe it's not okay for government to do something would be a crime if you did it. Maybe an education is not necessarily priceless. Maybe not. it's not the only way to be responsible as an adult is to get a good job and work hard at it and do what you're told and conform. Maybe these things I told you today were lies or also lies. The interesting thing is all these little fun ones I gave you here at the end, you can verify You can find out. You can research. It's a historical record. You can confirm them. The rest of them, to prove those, you'll have to put them into practice in your own lives to determine that they're lies. It will be up to you. It won't be as easy. I gave you the two sides, the, 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 the fun kind of quirky stuff throughout history we've just come to accept that's not true. How about this? One more for you. The Bible says... That the three kings were there when Jesus was born. They went to the manger when Jesus was born and they gave him gifts. I'm not even talking whether the Bible's fact or mythology. I'm just saying the Bible says that. The Bible says they went to his house. <laughs> Some of you are digging through your Bibles right now. You won't find any record of the wise men being at the birth of Jesus in the Bible. But they're in all the manger scenes, so you believe it. Stop believing things just because people tell you. Research and learn for yourself. And on these big lies that I gave you today, stop letting them control your life. And again, the biggest lie that there is that controls people and makes the misery today is that your value is based on the opinions of others. Your value is in that you are a thinking, living, being, caring, passionate human being with enormous potential. And what other people think of you doesn't really mean dog shit. Please start living your life that way. If you want personal liberty, which most of this audience says they want, it's necessary. It's necessary to stop letting the opinions, concerns, thoughts, deeds of others impact you and prevent you from living the life that you've chosen to live and to make the choices that are best for you and your family. And with that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.
Show you. 